0: Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? Imagine if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about, kind, loving Christian conversations. It's not a sermon or a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. I am so excited to share with you this conversation with my new friend, Wasam, who is from Iraq and converted from Islam to Christianity. Now he preaches the good news about Jesus in Michigan. In this conversation, he not only shares his story, but also some thoughts on how Christians should love their Muslim neighbors and hopefully share with them the gospel. I know you will be encouraged and even challenged by this conversation. Well, um, man, I, I I really I really appreciate you doing this, brother. And I I I've heard bits and pieces of your story, mm-hmm. uh, but I would love to for you to just kind of tell us the story of how you came to faith and and how you became a Christian. I would I'd love to hear about that. Sure, thank you so much.
1: Uh, so uh, I was born in uh, January of 1979 in Baghdad to a Muslim family. Uh, I've, A couple of months later, the Islamic revolution in Iran happened. Uh, Six months later, Saddam Hussein assumed power in Iraq. And then we started to have the war between the two countries that lasted for eight years. So I was literally born and raised in a war zone, a classic example of a world that was not told to love one another. Uh, That was the beginning of it. Uh, Islam was the only thing that I knew. It was the way to God, even though Iraq was not that religious in the 1980s. Uh, But uh, that was the only uh, uh, way that we've been taught uh, uh, that this is the way to God. I've been uh, taught that by my two devout Muslim parents, uh, by the mosque in the neighborhood, and and, and by the school, which we did have an Islamic education class. Uh, Things got more religious after the first Gulf War of 1991. There was a a Shiite revolt in the south against Saddam Hussein, and uh, that's when the point that was the point when he realized that he could not impose a secular system on the predominantly Muslim people of Iraq. So he started to uh, promote what he called the faith campaign. He launched officially the faith campaign in 1993, and he ordered the Quran to be taught in all the Iraqi schools, the whole Quran before graduation from high school. He started building mosques. Uh, He started turning Iraq from being more secular to being more religious. My father retired in 92. My mom started working as a seamstress to provide for me and my family in the Iraqi version of the Great Depression in the 1990s, when we were living on $1 a month because of the sanctions imposed by the United Nations because of the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. It was in in the middle of my teenage years, in the middle of the 1990s, when uh, hate was being preached everywhere. Iraq was at enmity with every other country in the world because of both the pan-Arab nationalist uh, uh, government and system that we had there and uh, the uh, kind of the Islamic, I uh, think, hate was being preached in mosques and schools communicated by the limited government channels. Hate was, in short, what caused me eventually to reject Islam uh, and uh, to uh, come all the way from the Middle East to the United States only to see every comment section in every news website and in the social media to see the exact same hate that is preached there. Mm is being preached here. And so I I think hate hate is evil, whether it is in the Arab world against Americans or whether it is in America against my own people. Um, I had that vacuum inside of me. Something did not make sense. Something did not click. Uh, I was not a a devout Muslim person. I was probably too young to to decide whether to be devout or not. And so the devout Muslim people were distracted from that vacuum with their... uh, Prayers and fasting and Quran reading and uh, mosque attending. uh, Things that they usually do, but they do not give you satisfaction. Uh, Not not the substance that I was looking for. And so I was trying to just satisfy that. Getting entertained and reading books and listening to music and watching movies. I I was 17 when my four-year-old sister passed away in 1996. And that's when I developed bitterness toward God and rejected Islam into atheism. And I thought I would be happy if I lived in a world that uh, did not have God, where you you had a beginning and the end, and you can do whatever you want in between, and there are no consequences to whatever you do. And yet I know that somewhere deep inside me, I I was looking for a sense of uh, direction. I was looking for justice. I was looking for an eye that watches over me and an ear that hears me. And that's when the search for some satisfaction that filled that vacuum started. And most of the books that I read and the movies that I watched quoted the Bible. I was actually in my second year in college studying civil engineering at the University of Baghdad when the first Mission Impossible movie was released. There was a scene in that movie that lasted for seconds where Tom Cruise picked the Gideon's Bible in his motel room and read Job 3.14. I got so curious to get myself a copy of the Bible only to understand these quotes and the books that I read and the movies that I watched and so I went to a flea market in Baghdad and bought my first Bible that was the Gospel of John Uh, I was looking for Job 314 in the Gospel of John and I did not find it and as you can think that was very uh, uh, That confirmed the Muslim claim that the Bible has been corrupted Uh, That's when I actually uh, the the, the gospel caught my attention the uh, the integrity that Jesus had when he pointed fingers at the hypocritical religious authorities of his time calling them liars You know, I I think even the Bible makes quite a few references that religion can be uh, misused and abused for purposes uh, out of greed and pride and and, and ignorance. And that is definitely the case in the Muslim world. I mean, the Muslim people have so much authority that you're not even supposed to question them when they misquote their own scriptures. Mm. Not Jesus in that book, which was the first time in my life I see a religious man in a religious book. Talking against religious authorities. Hmm. I have identified myself always as a rebel. And and I kind of like related to that Jesus in that book, which I did not care if it was true or not. It was just another book that I wanted to add to my library. Uh, It was in the summer holiday between the second and the third years in college when I was back in that same flea market flipping a copy of the New Testament. And I found the Gospel of John in the New Testament. And that was the first time in my life I learned that the Gospel of John was not another Bible, as Muslims claim. It was part of a bigger book, and that's when I bought the New Testament. Hmm. Um, I loved that book so much, and I like uh, read it uh, within. I read the whole New Testament in a few days in the summer of 1998. Then I realized that that was part of another bigger book, with the it is written references all over it, and so that's when I bought my first complete Bible. I actually borrowed money from my cousin and bought my first complete Bible, which to look at the Old Testament and see an accurate historical and geographic description of a world that I am familiar with. That caught my attention. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was like his poster was next to Saddam Hussein's picture in every street corner in Iraq. The Babylonians and the Assyrians, Babylon, uh, people and places and times. And uh, events that happened in Iraq that we studied. We had studied in the seventh grade in the Iraqi public schools. Uh, I also started to fall in love with the goodness of the Bible way before I believed in its truth. The Bible is a book that preaches love and not hate. The Bible is a book that preaches forgiveness and uh, peace and integrity and benevolence. Things I did not normally associate with religion. I had so many questions. About the book that I already started to get intrigued with. And I did not remember having any friend in the first, any Christian friend to ask in the first two years in college. The third year started. There was a man who flunked the third year that had a big cross on his shirt. And I went to him and I asked him about the Bible. And he did not directly answer my questions, but the next day he introduced me. Well, he uh, uh, gave me some literature that talked about the inspiration of the Bible that explained. The triune nature of God and the, the concept of atonement and all. And it was mostly the, uh, uh, the, the the hundreds of thousands of copies or manuscripts of the Bible that we have today in different museums that came from different times, from different places, written in different languages, all matching each other. That was actually the first time I was ever told that the Bible had not been cor- corrupted. Mm. Uh, just to put things into perspective. Only last week had I attended the uh, Museum of the Bible for the first time in Washington, D.C., and I actually got to take a look at some of these old manuscripts or copies of them. And that that was just a life-changing thing to me back then in in late 1998. And it was an eye-opener and a very emotional experience uh, last week. That was the point when I believed in the Bible and decided to get baptized immediately. That was the point when I became a believer. It would take me 12 years going to every church building in Baghdad trying to get baptized in vain. Uh, Fast forward, a lot of things happened. Graduation, service in the Republican Guard, the second Gulf War, the fall of Baghdad, me getting employed as a sanitary engineer. Uh, A few years later, I uh, signed up for a Bible course, uh, and uh, a woman was assigned to grade my Bible tests. And at the same day, and that was April 13 of 2010, I came across a book called Bible Basics, written by a British man called Duncan Heaster. And that's when I met him online. That man came to baptize me in May of 2010 in Kurdistan in northern Iraq in a bathtub in a hotel room. And Mm -hmm. that woman a poor woman that was a caregiver for a quadriplegic man in the amish country of pennsylvania was the only contact that i had when i came to the united states in 2011 and so i quit my job came to this nation with one bag with only enough money for me to survive for weeks and with one contact that i had not even seen before uh fast forward nine months later i was Sent to Sunset International Bible Institute in Lubbock, Texas, by a congregation there called the Camp Hill Church of Christ, the preacher of which was a graduate of that school. I finished school and I moved to the Detroit area, back to the same community, the Muslim community that I had escaped from, for the same reason, and that is the Gospel of Christ. And started the era of Christian ministry that tells Muslims about Christ and tells Christians about Islam. So there... Nine years ago, I used to hide my faith to stay alive, and today I share my faith to make a living.
0: Wow, well, that is awesome, brother. I, I that story is so so inspiring. I I just I I don't even know where to start. I'm I'm just so uh, thankful that God protected you during all that time and and has brought you to the point where not only you you. Are a follower of Jesus, but uh, can share your faith with other people and uh, and help others to be uh, to be followers of Jesus. Tell us. I know. I know that you've written a book. Um, it, it's called Islam in Christ's Eyes. Is yes. that right? And tell, this tell is my, my
1: showcase book. I actually wrote four books.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Okay, yeah. so tell us about the books that you've written.
1: Well, uh, Islam in Christ's Eyes was the book that I've always wanted to write. It was when I became a believer. Uh, I was in the third year in college. Ninety-eight, ninety-nine, and there was there were quite a few believers there, and uh, they were reading a very old book. The paging, the pages were falling apart. A book that is called "A Priest and a Prophet," and it had a a strong disclaimer uh, that the, this book is not to be shared with Muslims. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Can I see it?" They said, "No, you cannot." I said, "You know that I'm not Muslim anymore." They said, "Well, so you say I I don't know. This is this has strong language, kind of." So um, I just. Wanted to see what was in that book. It was when I was at SIBI here in the United States with access. Well, By the way, the internet was even banned under Saddam Hussein at that time, even though it was common in all the neighboring countries of Iraq. So I was in SIBI and uh, our teachers encouraged me to take the Islam uh, path, to be equipped to take the gospel to the Muslim people. So that's when I started to be interested in... uh, the materials that are associated with the history and theology of islam and how to share the gospel with muslims and that's when i remembered that book that i wanted to see so much when i was in college i saw the book for free uh, a pdf copy of the book for free on the internet mm-hmm. and i read it and i actually was i mean not that impressed but it was an eye opener it uh, opened my eyes to the parallels the historical and the doctrinal parallels between the Bible and the Quran, and hence explaining the origins of Islam, the the non-divine origins of Islam. Uh, Well, that was just my opinion about a book. And uh, then I started to get invited to talk in churches to share my materials about Islam. And I uh, compiled so many of these, and I researched so many of these materials. Four years later, somebody said, why don't you have them in a book? And so the materials that I had been sharing with uh, the congregations at that time, I probably had shared them in over a hundred congregations and uh, the the research gets bigger and bigger every time I speak in a different church. And so that's what I wrote them in a book called Islam in Christ's eyes, a scriptural study on the origins of Islam and the Christian response. It talks about uh, the history of Islam and the, theology of Islam, what Muslims believe, and how to share the gospel with Muslims. Hmm. Uh, Then I wrote another book that is my autobiography called I Am an Arab and I'm a Christian. Hmm. I wrote a third book that is the reverse of the first book called The Road to Your Happiness that shares the gospel with Muslims. So the first book tells Christians about Islam. The third book tells Muslims about Christ. And I wrote a book of uh, a work of fiction called A Railroad in Dearborn with a christian message.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for using your ability and your your experience to to share the gospel with other people, brother. I I'm incredibly encouraged by the work that you're doing and and I'm pr- prayerful for for all the efforts that you're you're putting forth. I'm really curious to hear you you said uh that that one of the things that that took you away from uh, Islam was hate. Yes, um, and, and I know that you said that you you've sort of experienced uh, sort of a different version uh, of that same type of hate, um, even in the states. And so I'm I'm curious. I I'm afraid that when Christian people think about Islam and when they think about Muslim people, um, and increasingly so, I think that. Um, Islam isn't something that, that Christians just experience on the news, although I think that that's the primary place where Christians experience um, any sort of interaction or, or even think about Muslims. Um, but, but increasingly so, we have Muslim neighbors. I live in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And in the area in which I live, uh, we have a lot of Hindus and Buddhists and Muslims that are our neighbors, literally our neighbors. Um, and and But I, I think that even in places like this, where we go to the mall or where we uh, are out and about in, at parks and, and in town, and we literally live next door to people of an Islamic faith, um, I think that there is still an incredible amount of fear uh, and perhaps even hatred, um, and so you know, I, I I even hear, and unfortunately, I hear people say things like, um, "Muslims just want to kill everybody who's not a Muslim," or "Muslims want to destroy everything that isn't Islamic." Um, speak to that, if you would, about that sort of um, idea or the fear or the prejudice that that maybe you've seen. Um, is what, what what do you think when you hear Christians expressing those types of sentiments? Sure.
1: Uh, thank you. This is a very good example of the fact that there are two kinds of people, those who have met real-life Muslims and those who have not met real-life Muslims. Right. It is impossible to try to reason or to prove to somebody who has not met a real-life Muslim that Muslims uh, are not all there to kill him or her. Uh, there needs to be some kind of fear uh, to be kept on for For certain purposes, mostly political purposes. That fear used to be of communism a few decades ago, and that fear is of Islam today. And Islam is always providing uh, the the subject matter to fuel that fear all the time. The Islamic terrorism is a reality. I mean, the Quran is not a good book. It does preach violence. But to say that Muslims are accountable to what the Quran says, that is totally not true, because I promise whoever says that uh, Muslims are there to kill him, that if they wanted him dead, then he would be dead. Because they don't play softball. And uh, if they wanted anybody dead, they would have killed me. I work in the Dearborn area, which has the largest Middle Eastern concentration anywhere outside the Middle East, preaching the gospel to Muslims and converting Muslims and and exposing Islam as a religion that is both bad and false. Of course, doing it the right way. Mostly focused on saving souls rather than debates of any kind. And so that's the thing. Islam is bad, but Muslims are good. Good in a sense that they are not accountable to what Muhammad did or taught or what the Quran says. Who fuels that fear and that hatred? Unfortunately, that has largely largely been people who claim to be Christians. And this is a very dangerous situation because at this time when people uh, in the Muslim world have never been more disenchanted with Islam, And more receptive to an alternative. And you try to introduce to Muslims a God that claims to be love. And a Christ that claims to be the truth. And then they see what Christians are posting on the social media. Everything but love and truth. That has been the main stumbling block uh, between us and Muslims accepting Christ. I mean, and I'm not being dramatic when I'm saying that we live now in a time when Muslims have never been more disenchanted with Islam the scene that i'm thinking of now uh, is from two years ago when the iraqi army was fighting its final battle against isis in uh, northern iraq and its uh, stronghold in muslim and uh, they uh, liberated a certain government building that had the isis flag uh, on top of it and the iraqi soldiers took the isis flag and they trampled it under their boots Never before in the history of Islam had a Muslim trampled a flag that had the name of Allah and of Muhammad. And Mm. so you see that the Islamic terrorism, which, like I said, has always been an issue and will always be an issue. There is nothing that you can do to uh, take the Quran out of this world. It's been there for 1400 years. It will always be there, uh, unfortunately, uh, to... uh, Uh, not use this opportunity when Muslims have been receptive because they lost their family members, they lost their houses, they lost their lifestyle, they fled women and children more than men, unlike what those social media are saying, to go to other countries just to live, to spend one night without the sound of bombs and the threat of militia men trying to kill them, and uh, to look at these people and see... Felons and criminals, instead of victims, that is totally unChristian and immature, and that is uh, fueled by ignorance and hate, which should not be part of the Christian character.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm obviously so glad to hear you say that. I, I, I knew that that would be exactly this, the type of thing that you would share, and, you know, and I, I think about some of the things that in Europe that the stories that I hear of Muslims that are. Coming to faith in Jesus, um, and and they're you know refugees that are like you said leaving their countries and fleeing, and they're being met by Christian missionaries uh, with food and blankets and places to stay, and and that sort of love that they're experiencing um, and that they've never known before. They've never seen that type of love and compassion. And then I, I think, of course, that that would draw people that are being uh, disenchanted with with their religion and and all the things that they're experiencing at home. And then they come and they experience this love from Christian missionaries. And then I think how we sort of undermine those efforts when we post hateful, bigoted types of things on social media uh, that that are really undermining not only the efforts of those Christians that are on the front lines loving and, and and blessing and and sharing the gospel with with those that are fleeing from those types of situations but we're undermining the gospel itself like you said we're we're preaching a message uh, of a God that is love of a Jesus that teaches us to to even love our enemies and and pray for those that, that do persecute us um, and we're we're really practicing quite the opposite um and and i i really it discourages me when i see that that type of thing from christians
1: absolutely and that's why the, the the my mission statement is to equip christians to show their muslim neighbors the love of christ and then the truth of his gospel uh, love needs to be shown first because you have only one opportunity to show muslims that christ is a better alternative and uh, in parallel with that uh, uh, By the way, and that does not go against our love for this nation, for the United States. But if you pledge allegiance to a nation under God, then do not act like it's above God.
0: Mm. That's so good. That is so good. So, in a really like practical means, because I think there are a lot of Christians that 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 they don't they don't hate their Muslim neighbor. Maybe they're a little nervous, but they're not, you know, they're not afraid. They're not afraid that they're they're terrorists or whatever, but they they just really don't even know where to start. So if if somebody has a Muslim neighbor and they feel like, man, I wish that I could build a relationship with them, I wish that I could be friends with them or get to know them and and perhaps have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. What might be some practical ways that that somebody could um, not cause offense? I think that that's that's something that uh, as Americans, especially if Americans have only been around other Americans uh, and they're they're around maybe for the first time in their life, somebody who's immigrated to this country um, and that they, they don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or accidentally cause offense. What might be some some tips you would give to somebody who uh, wants to build relationships with people their, with their Muslim neighbors specifically?
1: Very good question. First thing uh, off, I promise you, if you do not intend to offend anyone, you will not intend your Muslim neighbors, even when you do things that would be deemed offensive in the Islamic culture. Uh, Mm. Muslims in the United States know that they are in a foreign country that they need to adapt to. And that's what the majority of them, at least not all of them, are doing. I mean, if you probably you've been to the Dallas airport and you have been checked through by Arab Muslim TSA officers. And so right. they are here because they love America. They understand that America is a different country. They may do things differently that may be considered offensive to Islam. But if you do not intend to offend them, you will not offend them. Uh, then to get to how to share the gospel with Muslims, I would suggest that before you ask the how can I convert my Muslim neighbor, that you ask a more important question, and that is why. And so before yes. you talk about the means, you need to work on your motive. And the motive should be, A a burning desire for that Muslim person to be saved so much that you know that if they responded to your message, then you would be stuck with them for all the eternity. (laughs) That kind of burning love. Are you sure you want this or not? Because if you cannot stand seeing Muslims in your neighborhood, then don't you dare share the gospel with them. Do not tell Mm -hmm. them you are not welcome here or you do not belong here. And oh, by the way, I want to share the eternity with you. So let me tell you about Jesus. So... The bad news, they had not yet invented that laser cannon that zaps people into conversion to Christ. You still need to do it the old-fashioned way. You still need to be patient, uh, to love, to pray, and not to be discouraged if if you share the gospel with them and they do not convert. Uh, There is one thing that is worse than sharing the gospel with a non-receptive Muslim and they do not convert. And that is when there is a receptive Muslim walking around with no one sharing the gospel with him or her. Make sure you do not miss the opportunity. So uh, that is the motive, a burning desire for the salvation of your neighbor. And uh, the, like I said, the bad news, they there is no foolproof uh, method or procedure that can bring Muslims to Christ. The good news, Muslims have always been coming to Christ. I have converted mm-hmm. quite a few people, baptized them myself. So many more were converted uh, indirectly uh, through uh, other Christians that... Uh, Uh, were equipped through the uh, ACM's materials. And I'm pretty sure much more than that were converted by other people because Muslims are walking around looking for a better alternative. Analyze what caused these people to convert. Was it a Bible study? Was it uh, uh, a a political debate of some kind? Uh, I would say the majority of them would say that uh, and that does not only apply to Muslims converted to Christ. But to Christians changing denominations as well, they would say the mm-hmm. exact same thing. We have found a community where we can be loved and accepted because people need to be loved. They do not walk around saying we are wrong. We want to be converted. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it depends. If there isn't any Muslim in your neighborhood, then there is no way you can convert a Muslim. That is not uh, your uh, main urgent uh, uh part of the Great Commission to Fulfill. Go ahead and share the Gospel with one of the other thousand uh, non-Christian people in your neighborhood that are non-Muslims that you sincerely love. But when you have Muslims that you can actually communicate with, uh, after working on your motive and develop a relationship with them, uh, many people would say, uh, how can I start the conversation with my Muslim neighbors? The religious, spiritual part. And I promise you, you do not need to do that. They will. Because Muslims are following a religion that tells them as well to win souls to Islam, if you will. Um, Fear and hate. I have to disagree when people say that I am not afraid of my Muslim neighbor. I just hate him. Or that I don't Mm -hmm. hate my Muslim neighbor. I'm just afraid of him. I think the Bible says that fear goes along with hate. That's why John says... Perfect love casts fear outside. That's why Paul says to Timothy that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but that of power and of love and a sound mind. It sounds like love is the exact opposite of fear, which which means that hate goes along with with fear. There is no reason for you to be afraid. I mean, uh, you're not betraying uh, your nation or your family uh, if uh, you love your Muslim neighbor. And by loving them, Uh, you may start with simply not hating them and not wanting them to be dead. That is the easiest uh, easiest way to love them. Then you will be talking with each other. I encourage you to know your Bible because Muslims respect a Christian person who knows his Bible, a strong Christian person, more than they respect a friendly Christian who does not know his Bible. And so when you get to that conversation with your Muslim neighbor, and that will happen, which I think that debates or conversations rarely convert people, but they will have questions. Uh, Narrow down your conversation to three main questions. Uh, There is no way we can go through the details of of what uh, uh, Muslims would would object against. The the triune nature of God, the divinity of Christ, the death of Christ. By the way, Muslims do not have any issue with uh, Christ being alive now. They believe that he is alive and he will come back, but they don't Mm -hmm. believe that he died for your sins. And so narrow down your conversations, your, your, your dialogue to the three P's, the three questions that start with the author P. And that is the proof and the path and the promise. Uh, the proof, well, all the elements of the Islamic faith came from the scripture that is called the Quran. The elements of our faith came from the Bible. And so my Muslim friend, what is the proof of the inspiration of the Quran? Why do you believe that this book is your way to God and not that? And then the path, okay, so if I decided to become a Muslim, what must I do? Uh, What are you doing, my Muslim friend, to ensure that you are a devout Muslim, that you're doing enough? And third, the promise. Why are you a Muslim? What does Islam promise and assure you of? Uh, Give them a copy of the New Testament. Well, uh, if uh, uh, you uh, uh, send me any kind of letter or text, I can give you a free copy of the book that is written to share the gospel with Muslims that is called The Road to Your Happiness, available in both English and Arabic. There is an instruction page at the beginning that you can read it and tear it off and give the rest of the book with a copy of the Bible to your Muslim neighbor when you get to that point. And just pray for them. And it is interesting that the success of your work among Muslims depends on the answer to the question. Do you promise to continue to love them after you share the gospel with them and they do not convert?
0: Mm. Man, Wasam, I, I can't tell you how rich this conversation has been and how much I appreciate not only this conversation, but the work that you're doing. So if somebody who does want to get a get a copy of, of any of the books that you wrote, what's the best way for them to find uh, to get to get your resources right the
1: publisher of the three the first three books is extensionschool.com. that is extension school word, dot com uh the the fourth book is a work of fiction it's available on amazon the uh, a railroad in dearborn uh the uh, the third book i'm uh, providing it for free i'm purchasing. This is my uh, evangelistic work among Muslims. And so if like, if you uh, get it from extensionschool.com, you'll have to pay for it, uh, pay the publisher. If you contact me directly, I can send you a free copy.
0: How, how would you like people to contact you if they're interested in that?
1: Well, uh, uh, I mean, through you, um, all okay, channels perfect. are um, open. Uh, I have the Arab Christian Ministries Facebook page that has my contact information. By the way, the book, has been recorded. See, the the materials for Islam in Christ's eyes that tell uh, Christians about Islam are recorded. They are all over the Internet because they have been recorded by churches and by Christian schools and universities. Uh, The materials for the third book is not recorded by any church because they are directed to Muslims. And so I recorded uh, all of them uh, on video and I put them on the Arab Christian Ministries Facebook page. Uh, Any... uh, like in my uh, face, my Facebook name Usam Al that you may probably be able to see it through this conversation. If there is any printed text, uh, that would be another thing. And uh, so, uh, anyway,
0: I I'll, I will definitely link to those things in the show notes. That way, people okay, can can you. find can find the resources. But man, brother, I I just really appreciate the work that you're doing, and I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thanks for taking time to my, to be a part way, of this conversation today, brother.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate that.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I want to share with you two ways that you can help support what we're trying to do. The first is by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast to help others discover the show. The second way you can help is by checking out Logos Bible Software. Logos has partnered with us to give our listeners a great discount. So go to radicallychristian.com slash logos, L-O-G-O-S. I think you'll love the software and you'll get a great discount by using that link. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.